Well, welcome again to Sunday night service here at Moody Church. We're so glad that you're worshiping online with us tonight as we finish our series that we've been looking at through the month of July titled Words, as we've been thinking about the words that we have and how we can use them to bless and to give life to the people around us. There are certain conversations that you have in your life that you will always remember. Certain conversations that no matter what happens, you always remember the moments and you remember things about them. For me, I can remember still the first time I told my wife, we were dating at the time, the first time I told her that I loved her. I still remember that conversation. I still remember the conversation and asking her parents if I could marry her. But if I think back in my life, the very first conversation that I can ever remember that I had with someone was way back in 1992 when I was just a young kid. And I remember at my church's Awana program that the gospel was presented that night. And I still remember who presented it. And I realized my need to place my faith in this. And I remember still my Awana leader that I went back to and talked with nearly 30 years ago. I can still recall the conversation, who it was, where it was. I could take you to the building today in Southern California and show you the very spot that I had that conversation and where I placed my faith in Jesus. See, some of the most important conversations, no, as Justin said, the most important kind of conversations we can have with others are gospel conversations. Gospel conversations. And tonight as we wrap up this series on words, we're going to look at three keys to gospel conversations. Three keys to having gospel conversations with others. And the first key to having gospel conversations is simply this, is knowing the necessity of using words. Knowing the necessity, the requirement that we need to give words to the gospel when we talk with others. See, it seemed many years ago, perhaps a few decades ago, that there was this idea that evangelism, sharing our faith with others, was simply an event came to town. Perhaps it was a very dynamic speaker like Billy Graham or Luis Palau. An event would come to town and all you had to do was invite your friend to this event and then they would show up, they would hear the gospel, they would get saved and you wouldn't really have to do anything other than say, hey, would you come to this thing with me? And eventually kind of evangelism was seen as just invite someone to something, but then that kind of stopped working as our culture shifted. And so rather than just inviting them to something, we've kind of swung the other way, which I think was appropriate in many places to talking about what's often referred to as lifestyle evangelism, meaning that the emphasizing the importance as followers of Jesus Christ, that the gospel would be seen through our whole lives. And that's, of course, valuable. But the temptation can be that we've swung so far away from verbally presenting the gospel to people to focusing on our lifestyle that a temptation for many of us today is just to say, well, I'm going to live out what it looks like to be a Christian and I'm going to hope my coworkers and my family kind of see the difference and that's enough. Well, it's necessary to do that, but it's not enough. See, we still need, no matter how much our lives reflect the gospel as they should, we still need boldness in using words to give the gospel to others. As the scripture reading today happened right before the sermon, the video said in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of who they have not heard? 
See, in evangelism, it's not just words. It's not just our lifestyle. We need to blend them both together. And I want to challenge you tonight that you need to be able to give words to your faith. And we need to look for opportunities and have courage and boldness in using words to express what we believe to others. See, this lifestyle or words, it's not an either or equation. It's a both and. Think of it this way. I love my wife. Should I tell her I love her? Yes. Should I show her I love her? Yes. Would it be insufficient of me if I just said it and never acted like it? That would. If I just acted like it, but I never actually said it. Yeah, that wouldn't be enough. I need to do both. I need to live it and I need to say it. My friends, it's the same with the gospel. We need to live the gospel, but we also need to say it. We need to give words to it to others. So where are there opportunities in your life to give words to the gospel? And where can you be praying to for that? See, it's easy for us and myself included sometimes to say, well, that's hard and that's uncomfortable for me to do that because it often is. It takes boldness and it takes courage that is lacking for many of us to initiate those conversations, to give words to our faith. For many of us tonight, a starting point can be simply to pray the same prayer request that Paul asked in Ephesians 6, 19. Now, Paul was the great missionary of the early church. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He had great boldness, planted churches all over the known world at the time. Yet it's striking that decades into his ministry, he asks this church in Ephesians chapter 6, 19, he says, pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, if decades into his ministry, starting dozens of churches, Paul had to ask for boldness and that he would have the right words. I think for us, that's a good starting point tonight. Start to pray regularly that God would give you opportunities and that God would give you the words to present the gospel to others. They don't just need to see it lived. Yes, they need that, but they need us to speak the gospel as well. The second key to gospel conversations is to follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus and his interactions with people. So let's think about it. What characterized Jesus's speech with others? See, there's really only one group of people that Jesus spoke very direct to, very confrontational in a regular matter. And that was who were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite and educated, those who had the PhDs and memorized and all of these things. Those are the people that Jesus spoke directly to. But notice how Jesus spoke most of the time when he was talking to the disciples or to the crowds. When he was out amongst the people, how did Jesus use his words in letting known who God is and what Jesus has come, what he had come to do? When I think of Jesus's conversations, Jesus's use of words, two concepts really come to mind. First is the idea of questions. Jesus loved to ask questions of others. In fact, I was reading this week that someone counted and they said in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books of the Bible that look at Jesus's life, Jesus asked 307 questions in the four gospels. 307 questions Jesus asked. Many of these were very potent and rich and meaningful 
questions. He would ask people, why do you call me good? He asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Or he asked people multiple times, what do you want me to do for you? See, questions, when we ask good questions, and when good questions are asked of us, it confronts us with our own thought processes and assumptions and beliefs. We have to actually speak out loud, and it helps us to form those things. And so in having gospel conversations with others and looking at how Jesus did it, one of the first ways that we can grow is learning as followers of Jesus to ask better questions of others to ask better questions. What would it take for you to be a better question asker, to be a better questioner of the people around you? First is, it simply just takes curiosity. It takes a natural curiosity and an investment in the person you are talking to. I have worked with people for a long time, and a lot of the the time that I've worked with people have been with teenagers, with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And if you've ever met a middle schooler, especially, you know that sometimes it can be hard to talk with a middle schooler, to carry on a conversation. Sometimes it's easy just to shut down. But if you're curious with them, if you ask enough questions, eventually you'll get somewhere. Eventually you'll find common ground and break through. But that takes an intentional curiosity in the person. And for us to be better question askers, first we have to be more loving, to be more curious about the people around us. But curiosity only works if we do so with compassion as well. Our questions need to be filled with compassion. They shouldn't be filled with arrogance and harshness towards others. How dare you do that? Why in the world would you ever believe that? I, how could someone possibly not believe this? No, that's not filled with compassion. But our speech should show and our question should show that we genuinely care about the people that we're interacting with. The other thing that it requires is courage. Curiosity, compassion, but then it requires courage. It can be hard to lean in and to ask someone else questions, but I just challenge you, do it and see what happens. See, in our conversations, some of the easiest ways to start to steer them for the gospel is not just to kind of interrupt and to start to like preach to them or something like that. But to hear what they're saying, and when you have opportunities, lean in and ask questions. A few weeks ago, I was talking with someone. I was just trying to engage them and to to see if I could eventually steer a conversation towards the gospel. We talked about a number of different things, just kind of very surface level, until eventually we found that both of us really liked to travel. And so we were talking about some of the places that we had traveled and were hoping to travel to in the future. When this person kind of out of nowhere describing the trip said, that trip changed my life. Now I could have just kept going on and talked about where I wanted to go next, but I just paused and I said, well, what do you mean that that trip changed your life? Like that's a powerful statement. And I just asked, what, what do you mean by that? And they leaned in and had a long conversation with them just about some of their values and priorities that were exposed to this trip. And we were able to have a more in-depth conversation that was started simply by asking a very simple question, what do you mean by that? See, often in presenting the gospel, we view it as like a script we need to get through with people. 
But a key in having gospel conversations like Jesus is in asking good questions. Not only did Jesus ask great questions, the second thing that Jesus did a lot of was he told stories. Jesus told a lot of stories. In the New Testament, those are called parables. Parables, stories that would help illustrate the kingdom of God and what Jesus came to do and the reality of life following him. See, stories make abstract truth more clear and in a concrete reality. And so what I want to challenge us to do when we think of gospel conversations with others is to learn not just to tell any story, but learn to tell your own story well. Learn to tell your own story of what God has done and is doing in your life well. Now, it can be easy to be envious of the story of others, right? Like if, if you're like me, you're like, well, I was saved at the wretched age of five out of a sinful life of stealing crayons from kids and cutting in line in kindergarten. That's not a very compelling story. And you can hear of people who were addicted to substances or in jail and and had some radical transformation. And it's easy to look at them and be like, I'm jealous of their story. But I want to challenge you, every single one of us has a story of God's working in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has made a difference in your life and you have a story to tell. Where in your grief was Jesus made present? and comforted you. Share that story. Where in your seeking for meaning and ambition and trying to climb up the corporate ladder and get the next promotion, did you understand that that's empty, but fulfillment was found in Jesus? That's a story worth telling. When in your life were you lonely, but Jesus was there with you and comforted you and his presence was clear, that's a story worth telling. Where in your life were you searching for love when you found the greatest love that you truly needed was given to you in Jesus Christ and his death for you on the cross? That's a story worth telling. Each of us have stories worth telling in our lives. And an easy way to have gospel conversations is to ask better questions and then to learn to tell our stories well to others. The third key to gospel conversations is to remember the power of God's word. Yes, that it's necessary to use words. Second, to look at the example of Jesus. But third, to remember the power of God's words. See, we serve a very unique God in scripture amongst all the other gods in this. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who speaks. Literally right at the beginning of scripture, Genesis chapter one, verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God could have created the world however he want. He's God. He's all powerful. He could have done it however he wanted. But God brought this world and all we see and know into existence by simply speaking. He spoke. And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, all start with, and God said, there's power, there's creativity. The world came into being because we serve a God who speaks. God is seen as being unique and above all the other gods of the Old Testament and that God is a God who speaks. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a, a story of Elijah who had prayed that rain wouldn't come upon the lands. 
And eventually he's kind of led to this duel on the Mount, on Mount Carmel where he challenges the, the prophets of Baal to have their God come down and that it's so that he would seen as victorious. 1 Kings 18 verse 26 recounts this as they were calling out to their God. It says this, And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and put it on the altar and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. Elijah jokingly says, Well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's using the bathroom. Why don't you call louder. So eventually it says in verse 29, they, they continued, they raved on until the offering, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah douses the sacrifice with water three times, calls upon the name of the Lord, and God speaks in fire and eviscerates it. And the prophet stood in awe. The people stood in awe because the God of Israel was a God who speaks. There's power in Jesus's words. When he comes, when God comes in the flesh in Jesus Christ, there's power in the words of Jesus. In Mark chapter four, the disciples find themselves with Jesus on a boat in the Sea of Galilee when a storm arises. Now I have had the privilege to travel to Israel and to sit on the Sea of Galilee. It's a very hilly and mountainous region. It would be very common for storms to come in. I, from right here, could look out to the side and see Lake Michigan. Imagine being on a boat in Lake Michigan, just big enough for about 12 or 15 people, when a huge thunderhead comes through the Midwest and just lets down rain, lightning, wind sideways. There's white water. It is disorienting. It is massive. It would be utterly terrifying. That's what the disciples faced. They woke up Jesus in the midst of all of this going on, thunder, lightning, wind, storms, Waves rolling and Jesus says one word in our translation in Mark 4. He says, peace be still. But in Greek, it's actually just one word and it's all silence. There's power in Jesus's words. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus encounters someone possessed by demons. Jesus simply has to speak a word and the demon has to come out. In John chapter 11, Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. Jesus goes to visit him several days after his death. Jesus goes up to the tomb and he speaks. Lazarus come forth and even death has to submit to the words of Jesus Christ. And Lazarus comes forth. See, our God, our Savior Jesus is a God who speaks and their words are powerful. But we don't just serve a God who used to speak. We serve a God who has given us his word, which still speaks to us today. See, there's power in God's words. There's power in Jesus's words when he was here. But I don't want us to miss tonight the power that there is in scripture as well. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet says this, starting in verse 10, he says, The rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. 
it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I had purposed and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, in our gospel conversations with others, the power lies not in your creativity, not in your winsomeness, not in your ability to be able to tell even your story well. Those things are important. Where does real transformative power lie? It's not in our words. It's in these words. It's in the word of God. See, the word of God is living. It's alive. When it says that the word of God is God breathed, what it means is that it's the very words of God spoken to us today. The very God who speaks and brings everything we see into existence. The very word, the very God who spoke words and could calm the storm, cast out demons, defeat death itself, has given us his word here. So in gospel conversations, you could do a lot worse than just simply saying, let's turn to God's word and see what it says. And as we help guide and shape people by looking not at our own words and our own creativity, but looking at God's words, they have the power to transform others. My friends, let's not forget as well that in gospel conversations with others, that our hearts need to be continually transformed by his word as well. That if you want to hear God speak, you don't need to get away somewhere special. You don't need to go on some important retreat. If you want to hear God speak to you today, you simply need to open his word. It won't be in an audible voice. It won't be like it was maybe back for Elijah. It won't be like those who lived with Jesus. But God's word is living and alive and he uses his word to speak to us today. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not in his word, you're not hearing God speak in your life. It's impossible to be growing in your walk with the Lord apart from being regularly in God's word. Why? Because that's how God speaks to us through his word. So in gospel conversations, remember that it's not just enough to live out our faith. Yes, that's essential, but we must also give words to the gospel and have boldness in speaking and in preaching the gospel. Use the example of Jesus and lean in to asking good questions of others and telling your story of what God has done in your life. But remember, the power doesn't lie in our words. The power lies in God's word. And use God's word powerfully as it can cut through our thoughts, our intentions, exposes our sinful habits, and it can transform our hearts and our lives. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you indeed are a God who speaks, who you have created this very world that we live in by speaking it into existence, God. You rule over all things. Hebrews says that the world itself right now is held together by your words, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you that you have not simply spoken back then, but you still speak to us today through your word. God, may you give us the courage that we need to have gospel conversations with others. May we live our faith, yes, but may we give words to our faith as well. May we do so with compassion and courage. God, not for our own glory, but so that we would see lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.